Well, it is good to have the one and only Dina Carter on the line with us this morning. Dina Carter, of course, the daughter of Fred Carter Jr. We're getting ready for the big celebration that's coming up this Saturday night in Winsboro, in downtown Winsboro at the Princess Theater. Uh, Dina, welcome to the air and good to talk to you. Thank you so much, Chuck. I appreciate it. How have you been? Oh, my goodness. I've been just so great. I've been wonderful. Even through all the crazy, you know, it's like when you say your prayers and just keep that going, and that's the most consistent thing you can ever have in your life anyway. So I've just been great, and God's been so good to me. Now, Dina, where are you calling home these days? I'm act, You know, I'm from Nashville, as you know, born I'd... and raised there, but mm-hmm. um, I was in L.A. for 20 years, right? and I moved to the panhandle of Florida between... Destin and Panama City, um, down here near 30A, two years ago. What a beautiful place. The the Emerald Coast, as they call it. Yes, it's gorgeous. It's cold and rainy today, but it's always gorgeous by the coast. Well, so let me ask you this. Have you had a chance to make it down to one of my favorite spots in the world, which you go a little bit past Panama City down there to a place called Apalachicola? I have been there. Yes, I have. A, a beautiful, wonderful place, and it's where well, they call it the Forgotten Coast uh, down there. Is America? Yeah. And the, isn't that the oyster capital of the world? It, pretty it, much. It is the oyster capital of the world, and I'll throw a name at at you, uh, Donnie Lowry, who hails originally from Junction City, Arkansas, and of course, a great songwriter in his own right, wrote uh, among those uh, wrote for Restless Heart, wrote Old Flame for Alabama. He is kind of uh, thinking of retiring down to the Florida coast. So all you all you Nashville songwriters are headed to the Florida coast. I, I got to get down there. Oh man, <laughs> they, it's uh, everybody. It sounds like they got the memo. The whole world's moving down here, so um, that is definitely including me. Yeah. So I can't. Yeah. Well, you sure. you work on your tan. There you go. So. Yes. Well, so uh, so let's talk a little bit about uh, coming up this, this Saturday night, and you're going to be live in Winsboro at the Princess Theater, uh, Dina. And I'm I'm not calling you out here, but when's the last time you actually got back to Louisiana to to spend a little quality time? We were there. I brought mom to visit her sisters and to visit some fa- our cousins, and uh, we, I was there the first week of December, mm-hmm. actually, the first weekend before the holiday. And got some good quality time in there, and um, I'm, you know, I was thrilled to know that we were going to get to come back so soon. Because when I was growing up, you know, mom and dad, they're both from Winsboro, and mm-hmm. they made sure. I mean, we never took a family vacation. I kid you not, we never went anywhere but Winsboro. <laughs> I was like, it was heaven to us because my parents are so family minded uh-huh. and they just every chance that they got to come home and be with you know Tilly and Papa or Mamma and Papa Polk also on my mom's side mm-hmm. and all the aunts and uncles and cousins it was just it was spring break uh summers Easter you know and Thanksgiving for sure that was our big time that all the extended family would come together and stay with my grandma and us all be together so I'm very happy that my parents were so family-minded that they would make that a foundational priority for all of us. Indeed. Well, you grew up in Nashville, of course, the the daughter of the legend Fred Carter Jr. And, and you know, when we talk about Fred, I mean, it, it's hard to find a record that he hasn't played on over the years. I mean, a lot of people don't know, but uh, the great guitar part on The Boxer, on the opening of uh, Credit of the Boxer there for Simon and Garfunkel, that was Fred Jr., El Paso with Marty Robbins, Bob Dylan, 
mean, he played with Elvis. He played with everybody. He toured with everybody. Um, growing up in Nashville, of course, you were born in Nashville, and as you alluded to, made a lot of trips back to Louisiana, as did Fred. But growing up in Nashville, what was it like, Dina? Uh, tell me if you can remember the first time you ever heard a song on the radio and knew that it was your dad playing guitar. Can you remember what that might have been? You know, it's funny you say that because the you know the archives are kind of sketchy from way way back because it was all handwritten notes and things mm-hmm. in the studio. I mean, they um, there are some things that weren't documented, and so in lieu of the documentation, it's just amazing that he had such a signature sound that you can pick out his guitar playing. And I've been in a Dolly Parton obsession the last month or so, just listening to her interviews and her music and everything, and going through all of her records, you know, I don't see the musicians on the the iTunes stuff, so it's like I could tell. I thought, you can tell, because Chad Atkins worked with her a lot, Mm -hmm. Um, but I knew it was my dad playing on certain songs. I could just tell the difference, but... The first time, to answer your question, I would say, probably like the boxer, um, that's such a signature lick in the opening of that song on the, the Simon Garfunkel records that he played on. Just Paul Simon loved my dad, mm-hmm. and uh, just being such a great musician in his own right, he just really loved my dad. So that would be one for sure, the El Paso stuff. Um, Burl Ives, I would say, the Christmas music, some of that, you can really hear my dad stand out in that stuff. And as a kid, you know, with the Christmas theme music, that was a big deal. So I would say those songs would be to stand out first. There are hundreds of them. And as you say, back in the day, uh, and, and, you know, it's great to talk about these old stories because back in the day, they would just run the artist through the studio and you would literally do a dozen, sometimes 15, 16 songs in a day. You never knew if they were going to be hits. And sometimes, you know, weeks later, you'd hear it on the radio and say, hey, I played on that thing, you know? Absolutely. A lot of times they were chasing hits, you know, because they one artist would have a hit going and then another artist would come in and record the same song and try to run it up while the other hit was happening. They would and they did that simultaneously a lot back in the day where two people would have the same song in the charts. Um, so, yeah, they were, and their sessions back then were in the blocks uh, 10 to 6 and 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were working around the clock because there was so much music being created with, in, with you know, real instruments and real musicians and producers and singers and stuff in the studio. So... I'm just so grateful that I got to grow up in that era because I really do believe that it sets a standard in your ears and in your spirit for hearing the the, the interaction. I just had a, I was at RCA this past week meeting with somebody and we were talking in that famous old studio there, how the music is made. There's that spirit between musicians and the, the ambient sound in the room that gets put on the records as well and that is just something that is not done as much anymore and it's so precious to have been able to live through that era of music making and you know it's and and you know because you've been in the studio a lot you, you you get in there and it's almost a bit surreal because it's like a feeling over overcomes you and sakes you know you're standing in in the room where so much great music has been made over the years and it does and and a group of pickers get together and they have 
a unique sound, and, and it's a sound that stands out. And obviously, Fred Jr. had the, one of the most unique sounds in the world. I'll tell you a quick story. It's the early 1980s, and I had uh, done a little uh, knocking around Nashville myself and made friends with a guy named John Anderson. John Anderson, comes to, John Anderson comes to Monroe, and he's just getting ready to release a new album. He'd had Line Blue Eyes and a couple of uh, semi-hits, and uh, he's just getting ready to release a new album. And on this album is uh, the, the top single, number one single, is going to be Old Chunk of Coal. So we're sitting in the bus, and he says, I want you to hear this. And he starts it, and he plays the first few bars of it. He says, I bet you can't tell me what song it is and who wrote it. And I said, I can't tell you the song or who wrote it, but I said, I can tell you who's playing lead guitar on it, and it's Fred Carter Jr. And he said, how do you know that? I said, because I'd know that sound anywhere. And I said, he grew up about 30 miles down the road in Winsboro, Louisiana. So he did. He had a, had a unique sound. And you, over the years, you paid homage to that uh, uh, that sound and to a lot of Fred's songs with an album uh, of your of your own called The Chain back in 2007. Tell me a little bit about that yeah. and what inspired you to to do that and and actually do that. And it's 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 good to know by the way you did that before Fred passed. who passed in 2010. But um, tell me yeah. about The Chain and and uh, what Fred thought about that. You know, I'd always wanted to do a record. It was such a <laughs> it was such a monumental task because he had written he'd worked with so many incredible artists right and so I didn't dream that they would ever want to do a record with me uh, ever because they're just they were just so iconic in their own right and I was on um, Vanguard Records at the time and we tossed it around and I thought well it's a smaller label you know I don't know it just seems like it's just the right time and all that but I just prayed about it real hard and I just started reaching out and started getting a few yeses. And actually, the first yes I got was from Barbara Orbison hmm. um, for me to do Crying on the record. And obviously, Roy wasn't able to join us because sure. he had passed long before. But just her kind of saying yes and giving me her blessing was open the door. That was the first yes. And then we reached out to Willie and Christopherson and Dolly and George Jones, and of course John Anderson was in. I knew he's a very close to us because of uh, Dad and John's relationship was very precious. Right. Um, and even Paul Simon, well Harper sang with me on the record, but and Paul was tough to get to, but I get the tracks back and I see this extra guitar track. Yeah. on there on the on the tracks because I had to send the tracks out to Harper to sing on and I hear Paul Simon in on his mic saying okay take it from the top or whatever <laughs> so he put a track on that record a lot of people don't know that it is credited on the album um and he did an extra lick it was funny and when dad heard it he said well damn he had to do that extra lick <laughs> you know like there's still that that's a love thing that was not a an you know upsetting at all it was just like yes yeah so and listen being in that just it was so special because my dad had been through some illness he'd had his kidney transplant he uh was doing well at the time but you know it just makes you put your priorities in order right i felt like he needed to be honored these artists needed to be brought back together it was a very um grassroots way to put it together 
I had to go all the way out to Connecticut, planes, trains, and automobiles, and get Willie's vocals on on the road again. Um, and gosh, Dolly Parton, she was incredible. Just Christopherson, they came in and did their uh, vocals. I got to produce the record, and um, Dad and I were sitting at Ray Stevens' studio on 17th mm-hmm. when we did George Jones's vocals. And we were sitting on the counter, like behind the soundboard, the control in the control room. And he was in the vocal booth. George was, and we were dangling our legs over the edge, like you know, just kind of leaning on each other. And when George started singing, Dad just looked at me. He goes, "This is awesome," you know. Yeah. <laughs> just like, just like a kid, like it was the first time, and. You, you, it just was an incredible moment that is etched in my mind that we got to share. Um, and it, just watching the artists, how much they loved my dad. And Christopherson sang, and he wept in the vocal booth. Hmm. It literally, you know, he cried because of, I guess, just generationally and the appreciation and how much he loved my dad. And Dolly was the same. She just couldn't wait. She was jumping, chomping at the bit to get in and do it and hug on my daddy it just everybody loved him you know he's such a great guy and such a and such a great musician as well and you in in your own right you know i mean you started out let's talk about strawberry wine so you you grew up in nashville but obviously you made a lot of trips back to winsboro louisiana now a lot of folks, uh, you know, because a lot of times songwriters don't get the credit, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a second, that they mm-hmm. deserve. But Tracy Berg, one of the songwriters on the Strawberry Wine, mm-hmm. first time yep. first time you heard it, i, I got to know, Dina, you, you have to have thought of the cotton fields and the soybean fields of, of northeast Louisiana, I would think. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that was, you know, I had one boyfriend literally from I was 14 years old and he was a few years older than me like 17 but from the time I was 14 almost all the way through college I was with one person Mm -hmm. and that person was everything to me at the time and I would leave that person in Nashville to go to Winsboro and and be with my family and cotton fields to this day there's nothing like a cotton field on a full moon. Mm-mm. There's just nothing like it in my my heart. You know, you don't have to go to Colorado or go see the, the the mountains of snow. You just go to the south where it's warm and comfy and sit in a cotton field with the moon shining on it. It's like the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yes, it was when I heard the song, I thought, how in the world did someone know my life? Like, how did they know? There you it go. It was just verbatim. Every, all of those lyrics, it was a combination of my life, for sure. It, you know, but, um, yes, it was. And Matresa Berg and Gary Harrison wrote Strawberry Wine. Um, and she said it was, I think her grandparents had a farm in Wisconsin or something it was somewhere in a whole different part of the world but how cool that that's a common thread as well right yeah how farmers and people that cultivate our land and provide our food and our clothes and we would be dead without farmers and farmland and it's just the heartbeat of our country and so to have you know, remote, different, completely different settings in our country, different areas or whatever that you can have common 
ground with that as well. So incredible song, incredible. It was just so honest. And I'm so honored that I got to, I'm associated with that song. It's just an incredible honor. 25 years ago it came out. And it started, of course, I, well, I don't want to say it started, but it was the uh, actually one of the big things that uh, formed a friendship between you and Matricia. You went on and have written several songs together. One, of course. Mm-hmm that uh, did extremely well. Uh, you have a version, she has a version, and then uh, Kenny Chesney has a version. And uh, what song is that, <laughs> Dina? You and Tequila Make Me Crazy. Yes, You and Tequila. We, uh, we, Matrice and I wrote that song for my I'm Just a Girl album that came out in 2003 mm-hmm. or four, and I went on the road with Kenny and Keith Urban to promote that record in 2003. And um, it was so incredible. Kenny and Keith both would come out every night and watch me do You and Tequila. And then they'd go get ready for their show. And I thought, wow, that's incredible. They would come and watch that song. And um, Matresa had a male version done of it to pitch it around. I didn't even know. Mm-hmm. When Kenny cut it, I had no idea. And uh, somebody at Warner Chapel, my friend Alicia, called and said, did you know Kenny Chesney cut your song? And I thought, what? And um, we talked about that, and I talked to Kenny and to thank him, you know, because I've known Kenny since before we ever any, had anything going on. Mm-hmm. And um, he said that he'd gone through his divorce and had ridden up and down the PCH out in California a lot and had listened to that song and it had helped him get through some things and it meant a lot to him and uh, my version of it, you know, and then it was pitched and it was put in his lap as a, a guy's song. And so it's cool to hear both the versions. If you go to my, I'm just a girl record on iTunes, you can find my version of you and tequila and they're very different, but they're very, uh, similar in the, the sentiment, right? And um, right. that's just such a cool thing. we got to go back to the Grammys and the CMAs and ACMs and all these things as a songwriter. Yeah. Which, for me, and Nashville, the whole community for the NSAI Awards, they said it was one of the songs that they wish they'd written. And that was just like a, the highest award you could ever get for from the community there to be honored in that way. So, yes. I need to write some more with my girl, Matrice, because we we have a good time. Extremely talented writers. You know, when, when I was getting ready to do this uh, interview, I listened to, uh, of course, I listened to Matrice's version, and I listened to your version. And then I went back, Dina, and I listened to an old song, and, and I know you probably haven't heard this in a while, but it, it may have been an, a, a, subconscious, uh, a subconscious beginning to this song. Your dad wrote a song that was never a real big hit, but Bobby Bridger had a song out called Morgan City. And, mm. uh, and, and Fred wrote and produced that song. And if you'll go back and listen to I don't know if you've ever listened to it or heard it, but if you go back and listen to the, uh, to the guitar lick in there, I wonder if maybe you subconsciously channeled him because it's, 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 very, it's not the same, but it's, it's very, very similar. You can hear when I heard uh, that, I said, hmm, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. No, thank you so much. I know for a fact his influence is in me. You know, um, I'm, I wish I could play, my, like, just totally amazing lead guitar. That's still something on my bucket list that mm-hmm. I'm going to work on. And my brother Jeff plays with me, too, along with my husband now. And um, 
I'm not going to tell them, but I'm going to whip out a solo during a show one night and make them laugh, like fall out. I'm going to do it. <laughs> but I'm more of a, obviously acoustic and a finger picker. Mm-hmm. I love finger picking. That's my favorite thing. To, I've actually kind of painted myself in a corner because I finger pick everything now. So it's hard to play up tempo fun songs when you're, you know, it's pretty ballady. Uh, but. I love the finger pick, and I know, I mean, definitely my daddy, he would get a kick out of how I would play the guitar because he was such a just talent, you know, all over the neck and knowing where everything is, and I'm just strictly by ear. I didn't want to know what the strings were. I didn't want to know what the frets mean. I just wanted to hear it, you know, and play it from my heart, and he would he would say, okay, go ahead and play me a song, and he'd cover his eyes. Because <laughs> he, he didn't want to watch me play it. He just wanted to hear it. Yeah. It was so funny. We'd get a big laugh out of that. But, um, yes, I'll take that as such a compliment that any of his influence would be on me at all. I mean, I just know I'm very grateful. Well, uh, we're looking forward to seeing you, of course, Saturday night. You're going to be at the Princess Theater in uh, Winsboro. Uh, just, uh, Dina, do you know if there's an over-under on the amount of cousins that might be attending the concert? <laughs> well, I know we've got a big block, you know, <laughs> of, uh, all of them are going to be there. And I, I'm so happy. I, I do want to say that they're going to unveil the marker for Dad, and this is the first marker that they're unveiling for the Northeast Louisiana uh, Music Trail. Mm-hmm. And we thank Dole Jeter and everybody that's been involved. Um, that marker unveiling is going to be at 2 o'clock at the gazebo right there downtown. Right. The doors for the show are going to be at 6 p.m. at the Princess Theater in Winsboro, and then the show's at 7. We're just going to do a little acoustic set, and Bo- I think Bobby's going to come and join us on a song. Good. And um, this, all of this now, it goes to the Princess Theater, it goes to local, you know, benefit the local area. And um, we're just so honored to be a part of it and very grateful that they've acknowledged that. And people like Tony Joe White and, you know, all these great artists like you talked about, Donnie Lowry is what, are just songwriters in Nashville, that community um, that has really been the heartbeat of the town, right? And then the musicians as well. So just, but they're honoring these folks is a real big deal, you know. We've got Google, but it's also great to stand in front of a marker and read about somebody that you can tangibly know. They walk those streets and plow those fields, so very cool. Yeah, and Fred, of course, Fred loved North Louisiana. He he loved it the whole time he was here, came back, had a little studio for a while. There's so much mm-hmm. talent from this area. We could go on and on, and we won't name drop it. Uh, uh, and we're certainly, glad that, uh, we're certainly glad that you and your career keep going. Now tell me uh, – you. What's next for Dina Carter these days? You're playing a lot. You're still writing. Uh, what's what's in the wheelhouse for you in the future? Well, absolutely. You know, we uh, celebrated the 25th anniversary of Did I Show My Lips because in, last year, because it came out in 96, we did that project with the collaborations um, of Strawberry Wine and new versions of Strawberry and Shave. And we're going to parlay that over into 2022 since we won the award for song of the year for strawberry in 97 and still we get to sit in that 25 year anniversary through you know middle of this year and then i'm working on new music Mm -hmm. 
and I'm praying that we can have a new record out by the end of the year and just keep it going and keep doing the Opry. I want to do the Opry as much as I can and also touring. We've got a busy little schedule. We worked a lot last year, very grateful for that, and that's continuing over into this year as well. So we've got celebrating, touring, and recording. Sounds like a busy schedule for a Louisiana girl. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and we'll be back to Winsboro somewhere in there. And Friday, look, we're going. We already got the crawfish ready. I can't wait. <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna ask if you. There, there are two or three things that you know. If you're from this area, and I never will forget Tim McGraw when he first got to Nashville, says that you know. I want to have some crawfish, and I want a Johnny's Pizza. So there are two or three things that everybody wants. Crawfish, you got to stop by Big John's, and then you got to have some you got to have some Johnny's Pizza along, somewhere along the line. Oh, you just described our menu Friday night at my cousin's <laughs> house. That's exactly what we're having. It's BYOB, of course, because that's the way we do it. Right. And then uh, my cousin, Shelton mm-hmm. Bankston, who owns Shay's. My Uncle Shay had a restaurant there when I was young. Yeah. And uh, Shelton's reopened Shay's restaurant, and um, he's going to help us out with that. And then Saturday night, my cousin Natalie Corin, Demi's wife, um, she's going to make us some crab and corn bisque, and we'll get those little pinwheel sandwiches. Um, it just, it's going to be so good. I'm, I'm, I can't decide if I'm as excited about the unveiling or if I'm as excited about the food. So <laughs> you're excited about so the I've, you're excited about the food and the family right now, but the unveiling is will get will get the lump in your throat, I guarantee you. I know it. No, listen, I know, absolutely. There's no comparison. But just that my whole family, mom and dad's side both, are just amazing and and I'll say that, you know, they raised us family oriented and, and my cousins are like my siblings really in a lot of ways because we just were all very very close so well dina we certainly we certainly look forward to seeing you and uh we look forward to great things from you in the future and especially on saturday night thank you so much chuck we appreciate y'all thanks for telling everybody about it